the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word and to call upon him in prayer and praise and to receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought and word and deed and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only begotten Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins as a called and ordained servant of the word. I therefore forgive you your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
sets in order all things in heaven and on earth. Put away from us all things hurtful, and give us those things that are beneficial for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the fifth chapter of Ecclesiastes. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth will with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He will command his angels concerning you. 
the epistle lesson from the fourth chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed to enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, Since they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. And so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not me, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's sermon text from the epistle reading to the Hebrews, the fourth chapter, where it's written, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day after this. And so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same disobedience. So far, our text, dear friends in Christ Jesus. In considering this text, it's key to remember that this epistle to the Hebrews was written to Hebrews. The posterity of Abraham and of Moses, of the Exodus. And so you see the terminology of our text, the phrases, citations, concepts, those that you heard like Sabbath, like entering rest, like the seventh day, those like Joshua, Joshua delivering the promised rest, all of these were as naturally part of the fabric of their Hebrew heritage as our phrases like life, liberty, and happiness, Ellis Island, Independence Hall, and George Washington are to us and, and to our, the fabric of our American culture. The terms in our text were as loaded with meaning to them as the words red, white, and blue are for most, most of us. Now, of all the loaded words of Hebrew heritage in today's text, it's the Sabbath that stands out above them all. And so let's recall for a moment just what the Sabbath meant, just what the Sabbath was to this Hebrew people. The Sabbath... It was a day set apart from all other days of the week. Why? Well, for one, because in the beginning, God, in foreshadowing a rest that would come, God finished all his creative work in six days and caused himself to rest from all creative activity on the seventh. And so hence you have the Sabbath. Shabbat in the Hebrew, it means simply to rest. Centuries later from Mount Sinai, God himself gave that very reason I just laid out to you. He gave that very reason as to why now he insisted that this seventh day, this Sabbath day, be remembered and kept holy and distinct by this people he was keeping holy and distinct. But the Sabbath served another purpose too. This day of divinely insisted rest instituted just a couple, three months after his people left Egypt. This Sabbath instituted by God would prove also to be a week of daily, rather, it would be a weekly day of refreshment for what would quickly become a wilderness-wearied people. So the Lord had fixed for them a day in the week on which they weren't to work. They weren't to gather, they weren't to make, they weren't to mend, They were to rest, rest, the Sabbath day, the day when the work and the toil is done. The Lord fixed a particular day in their week to remind them of a particular day that he had fixed in their future. When they would at long last enter into the land of God's rest that he'd promised to them well before their backbreaking days in Egypt. And so you see every week come the seventh day. By the seventh day, God would remind them of the rest to come by the very rest they took. 
a foretaste, if you will, of the rest to come. The Sabbath rest was important. By it, God's people were reminded where they were going. And in it, they were to be reminded from where they'd come. Perhaps you remember that also of the Sabbath day. When God was reviewing in Deuteronomy these Ten Commandments before he brought them, and there they were on the verge of entering into the Promised Land. Remember what he said then of the Sabbath? He said, and remember... Remember from where you'd come, he said, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day, it says, tying the Sabbath day to remembrance of where they'd come, why they weren't there anymore. An event indeed of deliverance, an event to be remembered. The singular reason they enjoyed that day of rest, in that future greater day of rest to come. After all, it wasn't by their hand that they were freed from the slavish condition into which they were born. You could even say into which they were conceived. It wasn't by their hand. It was by the blood of a pure lamb slaughtered. And that blood applied to them in their dwellings. It was by the victory of that lamb that they were led from captivity with all all the spoils of their captors. It was because the Lord made an impossible situation possible. When at the Red Sea, he opened through, through the walls of baptismal water, he opened for them a way to walk into newness of life. Thereafter being freed from their past. And this rest they now enjoyed, this greater rest that they they would enjoy was because the Lord then didn't leave them to find their own way, but no, he he guided them by day, he guarded them by night because he fed them with bread from heaven, sustaining them, maintaining them, upholding them ever onward toward the land of God's rest that he himself had prepared for them and had waiting for them with a weekly foretaste of the rest to come and a weekly reminder of where they'd been. It's astounding to think that any would harden his heart toward this Lord who had done so much for them and was doing so much for them yet. But hearts grow hard. They did then. Do you remember last week's epistle reading, which came right before the reading we have today? Remember what it, was, what it said? The writer said, For who having heard, speaking of the people of old, for who having heard this good news of deliverance, for who having been reminded of where they'd been and where they were going, for who, it says, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt? Led by Moses. Remember what it said last week? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses, it says, fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? For they could not enter because of their unbelief. Astounding. Astonishing. Despite where they'd been, Despite where they now were because of their Lord, despite where they would be, astounding that they they would harden their hearts 
and that hearts would grow hard. Equally astounding, even more so, is that the hearts of his people still do. And yet, how could that be? For friends, consider where we had been. Scripture tells us plainly, your born condition, you want to know? Scripture tells you as good as dead in sin. Scripture says, a slave to sin, confined under sin, condemned under the law, Scripture says. It says, entangled in the yoke of bondage. It says, under him, Scripture says, who had the power of death, even the devil. That, Scripture says, is man's natural-born condition. Sounds an awful lot like Egyptian captivity, is it not? Except eternally worse. It's where we'd been. But, as our epistle lesson says, good news came to us as it did to them. And so a particular time of your week has been appointed that you can hear again and again and be reminded about an event never ever to be forgotten, but a singular event to be recalled throughout our generations and to be taught diligently to our children and our children's children, the event in which you were, Scripture says, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb, it says, the lamb, without blemish or spot. He was in that event slain, on the sacrificial altar of Calvary, so that eternal death would pass over you. His blood applied to you, saves. He led you out of sin's captivity. An impossible situation for you made possible by him. He led you out through miracle waters that drown all your sins and all the devil's accusations that would pursue you, so that you can forget what lies in your past what lies behind, and you can press on now to what lies ahead. He sustains you on your way by the higher sacramental bread from heaven. He's appointed a fixed day for you in your future when you'll be brought across your life's River Jordan and into the promised eternal rest from all of your life's labors that he has waiting for you. You see, there is is a higher Sabbath rest for God's people that remains. For if Joshua, it says, had given the final rest to God's people of old, God wouldn't have spoken of a rest to come, but he did. And it's yours, and it's in your future. Consider where you'd been. Consider where, because of Christ Jesus, you are, and where, because of him, you will be and are going. And it's astounding that as of old, hearts would harden toward this Lord. But they do. In his people today, we harden our hearts toward him for the very same reasons that his people of old did. Why? Because we grow tired of the manna. Just like we heard a couple weeks ago in the Old Testament reading, we grow tired of the manna. We grumble about our daily bread. Familiarity with it breeds contempt in us of it. And then we long for the flesh pots of our former life. We grow discouraged by life circumstances, forgetting that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the joy that's waiting for us. Hearts harden. 
As his people of old, we're drawn by life's golden calves all around us, sometimes with the very best of intentions on our part. Perhaps it's the potential for and the determination to achieve upward economic mobility, especially in this current economic climate. Spending the extra time doing that, and yet like the rich young man, after we see a a bit of profit in this endeavor, we begin to set our hopes and our hearts on the things, the material things we've been given, instead of the one who gives them. Or perhaps it's dedication to house, and household, brother, sister, mother, father, children, and with weekend time off being so short as it is, and intentions yet so good, perhaps time together gathered here with God's people, receiving with them God's gifts, perhaps it's too frequently sacrificed for other well-intended family time that might otherwise, as we see it, be lost. Perhaps it's to keep the peace between father and mother and sons and daughters and spouses, that we're inclined to receive God's gifts far more infrequently than we otherwise would, so we can keep, as we see it, the peace. You see, even well-intending motives have unintended but calcifying consequences on the hearts of believers, drawing our devotion, drawing us, away from him who's able certainly to repay a hundredfold of all that we would have to to give up because of him. Friend, let Scripture's warning to you today not go unheeded. For Scripture says to you, today as you in faith Enabled in faith to hear his voice. Today it says as you hear his voice. And the good news it announces. Do not harden your hearts. Scripture says. For as he once said of his people who did. They shall not enter my rest. Now it would be natural for us like the rich young ruler. That you heard of last week, it would be natural for us here to wonder, well then what must I do to inherit? What must I do to maintain this eternal rest? What must I do to keep my heart from hardening? Of yourselves, you can do nothing. Then, like the, the, the disciples in today's gospel, then we ask, okay Lord, then who then can be saved? With man of himself? It is impossible, but not with God, not with God. He will complete, he will finish your faith in the very same way he authored it, by drawing your gaze and fixing your eyes on Jesus, high and lifted up on a pole. He'll continue to draw you to where the living God now tabernacles in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so come to where he draws you. Come lest we forget. Come to where Christ Jesus by the living voice of his word. Come to where he reminds you and me of that singular saving event, the very reason we have a Sabbath rest. Come lest we despair.
Come to where Christ Jesus releases you of all of your sin's debt and all of your sin's obligation by a sabbatical absolution as valid in heaven as it is on earth. Come, lest we, our own posterity, neglect. Come to where through cleansing baptismal water God sprinkles us clean. So that as he says through his prophet, prophet I, will, I will take that, that hard heart of stone and in its place I'll give you a new heart, a clean heart, so that you shall be my people and I will be your God. Come, lest we grow famished on the way. Come to where Christ Jesus himself comes down to strengthen his dear people. With a living bread Moses never could have imagined. The flesh and blood of the Son of God The currency of your salvation, food for you. A food that will, I promise you, because he promises you, a food that will keep you in the faith until you cross your Jordan and enter into God's rest. In other words, friends, he says, come unto me. All of you who are wearied by the way and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the Sabbath. He dissolved, in fact, he replaced the Sabbath of old because ultimately it's in him that you have your rest. For recall it, recall it with his dying words before resting himself in the tomb on the Sabbath. With his dying words, he declared all saving work finished. Then he rose to declare your eternal rest one. Come unto me, he says, I'll give you your rest. I've shared this with you before, but today in closing it bears repeating. As perhaps you recall, the ancient Greeks, they had a race in their Olympic Games that was rather unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished the course with his torch still lit. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. God keep hope in our hearts lit in a flame, striving by his grace to enter that rest. Rise with me now and sing our post-sermon hymn, hymn number 675.
who were servants, uh, Darren and Sally Jo Freese. Uh, late last evening, Sally Jo was brought to the hospital to uh, prepare for the birth of their premature baby. We remember them in our prayers. We pray also for them as well as for all of the people of God in Christ Jesus and all people according to their needs. We pray. Gracious Lord, Almighty Creator, by your divine word, you brought forth from nothing all that is seen and known, and you continue to sustain and protect your creation, especially your people. Thus, at your bidding and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come before you with our petitions of thanks, as well as our needs and our concerns, praying, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, for providing us all far more than we deserve, and for giving us all that we truly need to make our pilgrimage through this life, that by your grace we may enter our eternal rest in Christ. We give you our thanks and our praise, and we implore you to keep us safe from all that would cause us to fall short of that ultimate Sabbath rest. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the priceless treasure of your Son, that his promises would sustain us in our times of abundance and strengthen us in our times of need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the guidance of your Holy Spirit, that we may rightly apply his written word to our lives and commend our treasures and our times and our talents to his use, that they may be the tools through which he works to proclaim Christ and him crucified to us and to others here in our homes and communities and throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the weak and the ill among us, especially the hospitalized, our sister in Christ, Sonia Heidemann, and others, that they may know that you have not forsaken them, but will deliver them in your time and in your way, accomplish your good for each of them. For all who rebound from recent surgery, that their recovery may be steady and complete, especially Lois Schneider and Phyllis Thompson, who are both grateful for successful surgeries this past week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer for physicians and nurses and caregivers, that they may be protected from the infectious diseases they seek to overcome, for the vaccines and all medicines prescribed to us, that they would be instruments of your healing power in our lives, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For the mothers and the fathers of the unborn and the newborn, that they and their children would be protected from all things harmful, especially today, O Lord, do we pray for Darren and Sally Jo Priest and their child, knowing that your love for them will not fail them, but will accomplish all that you desire good for them. We pray also, O Lord, for the elderly, the widow and the widower, that they may know the spiritual care of your church and the compassionate concern of brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of our government that each may effectively perform its constitutional duties. For law enforcement that it may protect us at home. For our military that it may defend us abroad. For the educational institutions of our land that those who teach in them and those who learn would be instruments of civil good for our society. For honest business and industries that it may succeed for our national economy that it may responsibly recover and improve. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those deeply saddened by the recent passing of loved ones and friends, that their broken spirits may find peace and rest in knowing that with you nothing is impossible, including heaven's reunion 
of family and friends in Christ, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who confess the doctrine of this fellowship and approach this altar to receive here the very body and blood of Christ, that they may be strengthened by this medicine of immortality that prepares us body and soul for eternal life, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who have entered the eternal rest of heaven before us, we offer our thanks, and especially today do we thank you for the evangelist Luke, the physician through whom you have given the church and the world the inspired gospel of your Son and the inspired acts of the apostles, that we may know Jesus Christ as the healer of the nations and the Lord who is our eternal Sabbath rest. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Graciously, O Holy Father, receive these our prayers through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is Christ who thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and at all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow upon us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of Sabbath, the door, and that earth with all the grace of the glory of your name, sing Hosanna, Blessed are you, O Lord, King of all creation, for you have had mercy on us, and you've given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In your righteous judgment, you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit, and you justly barred them and all their children from the tree of life. And yet, in your great mercy, you promised salvation by a second Adam, your son Jesus Christ our Lord, and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption that you prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness and life and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us now as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in the Holy Supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may together with all your saints celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom that has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.